do. Go be hated and you will be blessed. Or is it a description of the way things are? Really, when you're hated and you're hungry, you're blessed. Instead, we have to hear these words of Jesus, something like a prediction or a promise, that out of the worst dregs of life, those most terrible experiences that we would probably never choose for ourselves, but cannot avoid, that in the bleakest of our lives, God is really present. And one of the reasons, I suppose, that Jesus pronounces woes on the well-fed and the rich isn't because they're any less blessed, but rather he's lamenting that they will struggle to receive the kind of blessing he gives. A blessing of renewed relationships. We all know the corporate exec who works 70 hours with a solid six-figure job and hasn't had a genuine conversation with their daughter in years. That's what the woes are about. Not a judgment, but a lament on missing out of the life that Jesus came to bless. What is a blessing? A blessing from God is the assurance of well-being, a promise of provision, a sense that we have a place in God's heart. If we think about blessing from the Old Testament perspective, we see it in terms of animal, crop, or even human propagation, flourishing, always ever-expanding life. Prosperity in every form becomes the sign of blessing in the Old Testament. I will bless your inheritance. But in the New Testament, in the light of Jesus, this changes. Now it is adversity that becomes the touchstone for blessing, which is the context to hear Jesus' words in today's gospel. Blessing amidst adversity. And surely this has something to do with that central symbol of our faith, the cross of Christ. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we cannot, alas, get out from under Christ's cross. The cross is the paradox for Christians. Paradox from the Greek word paradoxa. Doxa, which means glory, and para means other. Paradox, God's glory, God's blessing being revealed in ways other than we would have imagined or had chosen for ourselves. Jesus promises to give us life, abundant life, and the context in which he speaks presumes the inevitability of a cross which he shares with us. He doesn't spare us, but shares with us. In other words, this is God blessing us down on our level, in our midst. And I think one of the challenges with being blessed by another is that, I don't know, it's hard for blessings sometimes to feel authentic. I'm from the South, and if you hang around down there long enough, you're bound to hear someone say with a syrupy drawl, honey, bless your heart. <laughs> to which, if you're like me, you'll be very confused if this is a good thing or a bad thing. It's a heightened example, but it's one that we see play out in our daily lives. The struggle to receive a blessing as authentic. 
How many parents struggle to truly bless their children? How many children struggle to hear the blessing from their parents? There's often in these circumstances a blockage of communication, whether it's a breakdown of trust or just that parents haven't learned that odd dialect of English called teenager. The channels of blessing are blocked. I remember when I was 13 or 14 years old, being outside on a hot summer night, shooting basketball with my dad, just sitting there in his chair watching me. He loved to watch me, but he also wanted to make sure that I did my practicing and didn't run off to the neighbor's house. Well, this particular evening, I couldn't hit a shot. I couldn't hit the broadside of the barn, as they say. And every single one of my misses resulted in the ball bouncing to the end of our very steep driveway over into the neighbor's yard. And I must have missed three or four like this that ended up across the street, and I was tired. And my dad just watched, just coaching me up and cheering me on. And after the ball took off after my next miss, I squatted down as a way to protest going to get that dang ball again. My father came over to me and squatted down himself. He put his hand on my back and he said, our driveway sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> I laughed. And I told him that I was tired of this sport, not just this evening, but in general, and that I wanted to be done, but I was afraid I'd disappoint him. And he told me that whether I continued to play or not, whether I fetched another basketball ever again, I had his blessing, and I'd always be his son. My dad then got up and fetched the basketball for me. That's what a blessing does. It doesn't confer an identity on another person. It assures them of their inherent worth, the goodness they have. Even when the identities that we assume no longer feel real, to bless another is to remind them that they are bigger and more dignified than all of that. And it often happens when we're down on their level. So we're blessed by God and we're given the power to bless in return. It starts with God, God's blessing us, and it ends with God, our blessing God. We began our liturgy this morning, blessed be God and blessed be God's kingdom. And we'll end our liturgy, or we often end our liturgy at least, by blessing God, saying let us bless the Lord. For us to bless God is to praise God for who God is and for what God does. Blessing God is an acknowledgement of God's being, of God's creation, of God's presence among us, a grateful recognition that all we are and all that we have is a gift, not a given. And so we bless God for it. And in blessing God, we're telling God that we take none of it for granted. Our life, our labor, our loves are gifts from God, and God enjoys us returning the blessing. We are blessed by God, and we are a blessing to God. I wonder if you can receive these words, that you're a blessing to God, and that God has intent on your being a channel of blessing, the blessing of God's light and love to all that surrounds you. Can you receive that, that you're a blessing? 
If you stumble over those words, if you find yourself responding with argument or qualification, how can I be a blessing? Because your life is a bit uneven or because you're so undisciplined or because there's some shadows in your past or maybe you feel like one of those people that Jesus pronounces woe on. Let me say, God is bigger than all of that. That central paradox of the cross is the assurance that God's grace is bigger than our guilt. God has created you as a gift to God's own self and God is intent on your being a channel of God's blessing. It's of your essence. It's who each of us has been created to be. When I was a child, I had the chance to visit a pond not far from my grandparents' house. And the pond, this particular pond, was fed by a freshwater spring, except when some well-intending beavers took up residence. And then the flow stopped. At other times, the outflow of the pond was occasionally blocked, presumably by relatives of these well-intending beavers. And I saw this pond both crystal clear and bracken. That may be obvious, but even if the mouth of the spring is open, if the outflow of the pond is blocked, the pond will become bracken because it simply cannot receive more fresh water. And so, if your sense of God's blessing you eludes you just now, it may not have to do with the source of blessing or the actual presence of blessing in your life, even now. It may have to do with the outflow in your life. If it's in any way clogged or restricted, let it flow, open it up. Don't be tentative or reluctant or apologetic about your being created as a blessing from God to God and to others. Be generous with your words and actions to be this flow of God's blessing and that flow may open up your own experience of the inflow of God's blessing you. In your baptism, as we will baptize Cody and Alice and Violet. In your baptism, God put a fountain of blessing in your heart, a fountain that was meant to be ever renewed and ever filling up those lives around you. Just imagine something of that life pressing its way out into the lives of others, flowing outwards, steadily being filled from within until all, including you, is filled with blessing. Amen.